Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Svedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Everybody, it's Marnie, and welcome back to another edition of Marnie's Friends. It is always such a great privilege to share my afternoon with you guys, to share our afternoons with an expert who comes alongside here to help us do something better. <laughs> and today's guest is no exception to that rule. Lisa Hine is a parenting expert who helps audiences everywhere manifest God's love in their family. She's here today to help us learn how to minimize confrontations in order to maximize our relationships. And you are in for a treat today during this hour. You're going to learn the three main causes for confrontation among family members and what you can do to predict and prevent them most of the time. You're going to learn the one, the number one way we set ourselves and our families up for disappointment and how it can be avoided because none of us want to do that. The powerful result of playing it cool under pressure and how to tap into that resource every single time you're triggered the key ingredients you need in order to build strong family relationships based on respect and love, how to train your children to understand the difference between having gratitude and feeling entitlement, the fastest way to identify and eradicate negative words and vocal inflections for yourself and your family members, how to balance parental intervention so your kids can learn to handle and diffuse confrontational situations themselves, and how to set reasonable boundaries for yourself and what to do when you feel infringed upon. Our guest today, Lisa Hine of LisaRHine.com, that's spelled H-E-I-N, LisaRHine.com, is the author of uh, several books, Manifesting God's Love in Your Family, another book called I'm Doing the Best I Can, and she's the co-author of Ready, Aim, Excel. She's a magazine and newspaper contributing writer, and she's here today to help us understand how to minimize confrontations and maximize relationships. Welcome to you, Lisa. Thank you, Marnie. I'm so excited to be here. Well, and I'm really delighted that you could come. Like you said before we started the show, we've been looking forward to this day for a long time. And Lisa, your your main work is with parents and with families, but I just want to start off by telling everybody, I learned a principle years ago. It was actually at a um, marriage conference, and they were teaching us to fight for your marriage. Don't just fight in your marriage, but fight for your marriage. And so that means that sometimes there's going to be confrontation in order to fight for the marriage. And I think it's the same way with kids. Sometimes you're going to have confrontations because you're fighting for your kids, but we don't want to be fighting with them. (laughs) So what are your thoughts when I start off like that? Do you agree with that statement or not? Oh, absolutely. There's a real fine line. You know, there's definitely a fine line because they think we're fighting with them when most of the time all we're doing is trying to protect them and keep them safe. You know, it's it's difficult because you you really want them to experience their own journey, but there's right. times where you see them kind of veering off where you go, yo, yo, yo no, 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 I, 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 got, I got this one because I, I know I, I've seen what happens. I've experienced what happens when you decide to go off and do your own thing, uh, so, yeah, it's definitely something uh, that's a real fine fine line, Marnie, because uh, they want to think that we're just trying to keep them from doing what they want to do. Um, and in essence, all we want to do is protect them. Right, right. And, and kind of, to, like you say, when we see them running out in front of a truck, we want to say, no, stop, 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 that's going to hurt. <laughs> so yeah, we want to help them not do that. It's exa- I mean, exactly. It's so amazing when they're younger – no, honey, don't touch that. If you touch it, it'll be it will cause you pain. If you if you run around the glass table, you're going to get hurt. If you run too fast, you're going to fall down. You know, what I mean, we tell them these things as they get as they are, you know, young. But then when they get older, it's like supposed to be hands off. It's like, no, no, now you're really going out into the world and things are really going to be shoved down your throat that may not be what you want to do. And it's it's so to me it, it's like it I don't understand the whole thing to be real honest. 
talking about the three main causes for confrontation and what we can do to predict and prevent them most of the time. Okay. Um, I I don't know. We, we First of all, we believe that we are in control, and there's there's a difference between being in control and controlling. When we when we, we we are in control, we know exactly what's going on. There's there's a peace about it. We can proceed forward in whatever the situation is that may be. But when we are quote in control, when we're being controlling, that means we are basically not trusting that anybody's going to be able to make a decision uh, that is mm-hmm. their own decision or um, adding adding something of importance to the conversation because that isn't the way you feel. So being in control and controlling, we have to be really careful with that because when people are controlling, it causes a lot of confrontations and you will watch people shut down because they just can't deal with it. It's like no matter what I say, it's, you know, it's always going to be wrong. Right. You always you have to be in control, so why do you even bother asking? The second cool. thing is is we want to conduct everybody's actions. I, I tell I tell parents, you know, sometimes we don't have to be the conductor. You know, you, you look at your family as instruments, and when there's a conductor, he lifts up his stick and they, they, he points and they know exactly what to do. And there's times that we can put the little stick down and step off the podium and say, you know what's best. You know what's best. We taught you. Now go do what you know to be the best. And remember, there's repercussions for every action you take. Right. right. And the third thing is, is we're really not listening to them. We don't even listen to our spouse, you know, because we're so busy thinking about what the answer is or how we're going to resolve what they're talking about. And we always want to try to fix everything as mommies. I can only talk as mommies because daddies do not, most of the dads do not act the way mommies do. They sit and they listen and they go, well, what do you think? You know, I mean, they they sometimes they'll throw it back. And I think that that's a very important factor when we're talking to younger children and even our young adult children, what do you think what do you think about what you just said? What do you think you should do, you know, in this particular situation where, you know, you're being faced and forced to possibly do something that you know is wrong? What do you think you should do? Mm. And instead of just telling them the answer, we're we've kind of stripped our children from being accountable for who they are, what they are, and their actions. Because we're always fixing them. We're always telling them what to do. And in uh-huh. this book, Manifesting God's Love in Your Family, it's it's so awesome because it talks about situations one after another, and sometimes there's biblical scriptures that are there to kind of like say, well, you know, God knew this was going to happen to us. Let's sit down and, and, and really get get ourselves in a place where we don't want confrontations. We want to have peace in our home because we want our children to want to be home. We don't want our kids running from the house. Right, just to get away. So so what is the number one way that we set ourselves and our families up for disappointment? Expectations of each other. (laughs) Thinking that we should always that they should react a certain way, that they're going to, you know, answer a certain way. You know, we set ourselves up when we have expectations, no matter what it is. We think our child's going to bring us a rose on Mother's Day, or we think that on our birthday everybody's going to lavish us with attention and cards and things like that, or even expectations of thinking that when we get home from a hard day's work that our children, our older children, will have the house clean and dinner ready. Well, no, I mean, if you just set up some guidelines and let everybody be on the same page so that there's no misunderstanding, and that's what, what happens when we, again, I'm going to probably answer every one of your questions with communication. If they don't know, how do we expect them to to know? And then, again, that's that those expectations of thinking that they can read our minds. 
Well, I've told you 16 times. How many more times do I have to tell you? Well, obviously, the first 16 times you weren't really clear. What did you really mean? So we have to be consistent in the things that we say. Well, or I think, you know, you might have been crystal clear about what you said, but there was no consequence. There was no um, there was no follow-through. You weren't really serious about what you said, even though you said it. And, and I think there has to be... Uh, um, there has to be something that's going to change if it doesn't happen this way uh, in order for most. I mean, I, we have employees, too, in our businesses, and not just our own children, but the employees. You know, it's it's one thing to ask people to do something and to say, this is really important, this is really important. It's a whole other thing to attach a consequence to the behavior. All of a sudden, you have everybody doing it, you know. I mean, it changes things completely. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it does go back to, you know, not not spe- speaking clearly because we we do. We we sometimes tend to do half the sentence and leave a little semicolon or a comma and think that they're going to fill in the blanks. So you're absolutely right. It is important to to let them know this is what I need you to have done by the time I get home and I really don't want to throw consequences out there because I want to trust you and I want to believe in you that you're going to do it because this is your home too. We we don't hold our children accountable because we feel oh, they've been in school all day and we don't want to put too much pressure on them and then they're going to get mad. And You know, the, the reason people get mad, Marnie, is because of the way they're being talked to. And I've seen some amazing families, just sweetness, this, the, just the gentleness how they communicate with one another. And and it is all in our tone. You know that. I mean, the way we talk to people and and how we have these expectations and demands and thoughts, it it crushes people's spirits. And so, therefore, you know, it's just a matter of being able to be gentle but clear, precise, and let them know under no circumstances are you off the hook. You're responsible to get this done, and I really appreciate you getting it done. If not, we're going to talk, and there's going to be some repercussions from it. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. It's really interesting. I can tell. I can tell that you and I have a, a real different uh, communication styles with the kids. Uh, just for the listeners, I'm going to go ahead and share mine, and then we'll go ahead to number three here. But uh, for sure, when I'm when I'm communicating either with my staff or my children, I use very little of the word "I" at all. Um, they aren't helping me. They are taking responsibility for their life. So what I do is I, I just set the boundary in my own mind what I am willing to do. So um, I am not, for instance, willing to walk in and find garbage um, in the kitchen. Um, maybe that's something I'm not willing to do. So therefore, I assign it to someone. Now it's no longer them helping me. Now it's their responsibility because I've assigned it to you. You aren't helping me. You're doing your own work. And now if this work isn't done, then something that something that normally belongs to you will be taken away. So maybe that would be dessert after supper or an hour of TV at night or whatever it is. So I'm not I'm not telling you thank you for helping me. I'm saying this is your your responsibility as part of the family because I am not willing as a homeowner to walk into a kitchen full of garbage. Therefore, um, this is being assigned to you, and that's your job. And that's the same way that I do at the businesses. I, I don't ever tell people thank you for helping me. I mean, I tell people all the time thank you for thank you for working for me. I mean, I tell the people all the time, but I don't tell them in the way that they feel like they're doing me a favor by doing it. I tell them in a way that they recognize that I appreciate that they're part of the team. And they're, you know, they're they're contributing in that way. So I, th- I think it's a little bit different communication, and both of them, both of them work. Uh, for those of you who are listening, who just maybe relate to one or the other different, when we come back to this number two here, it's the number way way we set ourselves and our family up for disappointment, is by not setting clear expectations or by getting overly disappointed with unmet expectations. And I agree. So let's go on to number three. Then is the powerful results of playing it cool under pressure and how to tap into that resource every single time you're triggered. So talk to us about staying cool under pressure. Well, you know, again, it's it, it, who's ever won a battle when you're screaming and yelling? You know, all that does is escalates attitude. And, you know, when you're talking about your teenagers or your, you know, young adults, 
you know, friction causes friction, and I'm the queen of friction. I'm very good at getting people riled up when I when I <laughs> used to be angry about things. I was very angry for a long time because um, I know you don't know much about me, but there was a time where I really felt abandoned by God that, you know, um, we we weren't going to church. We couldn't find a church when we moved, and, you know, it was so much easier not to go to church and I and so we didn't, and so things started falling apart in our family, and it was like every time I turned around, something else was going on. Um, ang- anger, there was so much anger, and everything started falling apart, and I realized that, you know, I blew it. I blew it because there were times that I shouldn't have said words, and we're very good at blurting out these words that aren't so kind when we get angry. And then how do you ever take them back? I mean, you can say, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have said those things. I said them to you in anger, but you, you, people never forget. So it's just, to me, it's like, you know, when you feel at, you're at a point where you're, you know it's coming, you know that the, the foul words or the, the negative, uh, you know, connotations are going to start blasting their ears, you know, it's best to say, you know what, I'm not real happy right now. I mean, this is my opinion. This is how I feel. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I need to walk away right now. I'm, I'm going to go just take a minute, and then I'm going to come back, and we're going to discuss what just took place. You have to take time for self first because unless you, you just have a really cool personality where you, where you don't allow things to get to you, but I'm not that type of I wish I was, but sometimes I go. I just go, and then sometimes I just can't stop. So it's really important to, you know, to just chill out and take care of your breathing and just get your heart rate back down and then go back in and and talk about the things that, you know, are making you upset or you're feeling that, you know, you're just – people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing or disrespecting one another and – not communicating properly it's it's just a matter of learning to just get to the center and just flat out say what needs to be said and it doesn't have to be an emotional roller coaster Mm, love that this is marnie swedberger visiting today with lisa hine on the topic of minimizing confrontations in order to maximize relationships we're going to come right back i'm going to tell you a funny story about um taking that uh that cool how to get cool under pressure uh, from my life, and then we're going to go on and talk about the key ingredients that you need in order to build a strong family based on respect and love. We'll be right back. Successfully maximizing the gifts God has given us is the best gift that we can give back to God. Are you 100% clear about why you're here, about how God defines success for you personally? Are you on track with God's plan for your life, the best life on planet Earth followed by the best possible eternity for you? If not, check out the Success Principles Intensive Training course over at Marnie.com. It's a six-hour online program that will change how you define and do your life from today forward. It's a biblical based approach to goal setting and achievement so check it out under the training tab at marnie.com well this is marnie and i welcome you back to minimizing confrontations in order to maximize relationships with our special guest lisa hine her website is lisa rhine.com that's h e i n lisa rhine.com and we were talking before break about staying cool under pressure and lisa one of the things that i did when my kids hit the teenage years and and i have to preface this by telling you that um the relationship that i had with my kids has always been uh based on love and logic parenting where i t- i decide what i'm going to do and then I just express that to them, and then I use the parental authority that God has given me to um, to to make sure that they learn responsibility. And so they're pretty respectful kids all the way along. And uh, when it, when they got to be teens, and I, I just have to tell you that I had terrible PMS, <laughs> and I'm kind of past that stage right now, but I had terrible PMS, and usually about once a month for up to 10 days a month, I would have a much harder time staying cool under pressure. And with teenagers, you know, you get you get these things going on sometimes that are just 
um, pretty high intensity. And so I just gave my kids permission that if they felt like I needed a timeout, that they could just say, and, and their, their, key, their key phrase for me was, Mom, I think you should just take a little rest for a little bit. You know, just go spend some time with Jesus. Or, you know, they would just kind of send me to my room for a timeout. And I that was that really worked for us. It was a way for me to step back. Sometimes I couldn't even see it myself. And I've actually had employees, just I think I can remember two times, where um, a manager would look at me and say, settle down. And uh, so every once in a while, it helps if we have good relationships with the people around us to let them have a way to tell us, you're getting a little worked up about this. Lisa, for you, would you realize that sometimes you were uh, too intense? You were just, you weren't staying cool in the moment. What was a trigger phrase in your own mind or one that other people could use with you to help you back off a little bit? <laughs> sometimes there weren't words, and and sometimes it would just be my husband would say, you got to stop. Stop, you gotta yeah. Stop. yeah. You know, you, you have to stop. Something and simple. then I, of course, would go to my bedroom and slam the door and bury my head in the pillow. <laughs> if you were in our house, that was one of our that was one of our loved and logic rules. Right, we have Dave, Dave instituted a slamming fee uh, when the kids were hitting the teen years. I, Dave was even before that. I think maybe eight or nine years old. He was, and it, we'd have this go to the room and slam the door. And he got tired of that door slamming. And he thought, you know, I'm going to have to fix that door after a while, and that's going to cost time and money. He said, I'm just going. So he said to everybody, he said, you can slam the door all you want but there will be a $5 slamming fee, so just know. And it was amazing how self-controlled everybody got then and no more mm-hmm. slamming doors, you know. Um, I, I think that for me, I, I usually use the phrase stand down. Um, when I feel myself getting kind of worked up, I just say, I just, I just hear in my head, stand down. Just take it back a notch. You don't have to be this confrontational right now. And, and that really helps me. Well, let's go ahead, Lisa, to the key ingredients you need in order to build strong family relationships based on respect and love. Because I think that's the bottom line. That's what we all want. Absolutely. At this point in my life, I believe that uh, a great spiritual foundation just is, I mean, it takes priority. Because at this time, it's like there's a lot of hopelessness. And mm-hmm. I really believe that if we teach our children a very strong spiritual foundation, uh, whatever that looks like to to your listeners, I mean, mine is, is God. And I saw the difference um, in my child. Um, I did raise him in the church, and then when we did move, we, we kind of shopped around. And then when we stopped going, I, I saw the, the change. So that's why I'm really good at being able to say, okay, I've seen what it is raising a child without any spiritual foundation, and I know what it's like to to raise a child with a spiritual foundation. And the difference is night and day. So to me, the first one would be a good spiritual foundation. Another one would be true understanding I believe that God has given us these children. And even when we were children, we came with gifts. We came with ideas. We came with a love and a pureness in our heart that all we wanted to do was just be a part of a picture and mm-hmm. and be loved and respected and cared for. And so many times we're so busy trying to train the children to do this, to do that, to act like this, to have your alphabets intact by the time you're a year and a half, you know, pressuring to do these things that the world says that we need to do. We miss out on what it is that they came here for. And, Marnie, um, I had a, um, a radio talk show for three years, and I took a whole month and I interviewed prodigy children. Hmm. And these were playing like this one was playing concertos at the age of three. Another one is her name is Akiana. She is an amazing artist. Her mother homeschooled all five of the children, and they're all prodigies in their own way, because she she focused in on what is it that this these children brought. Mm-hmm. I believe they come here with a gift and a purpose, and if we don't just look at them as those gifts. Another thing is just unconditional love and acceptance. Yes, you have to have your boundaries. Yes, you have to have rules and regulations. Yes, you have to know 
that you are the authoritarian in the home because that is the position God has put us in. We are here to train children, to have them grow into these amazing human beings, these amazing citizens. We we want them to 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 be to just have pride in everything that they do instead of this halfness that's going on and just to be able to make a difference. You know, you see these children doing these amazing things in life um, and you just go, what did, the, what, what did those parents do for that child to want to go out and, and perhaps, you know, spend time helping children, little children in the hospital who are dying or they're making these bracelets and sending them over to our to our men in the armed services. Their heart is so pure. And it's, and it's beautiful because then that means that the parents have really taken a good look at what this being is all about. Again, you know, we talk about boundaries and we talk about guidelines and, you know, the rules and regulations. Well, everybody has to have some something that they know that if they cross that line, they're going to be in trouble. And then with trouble comes repercussions. So to me, it's it's the spirituality. It's learning how to talk to each other. Now, Marnie, I'm not saying this is what I did. These are These are things I've learned from what I did. And now I wish I could go back, but I can't go back. I can just do it now with him as he's a young adult uh, child. Um, you know, he's, he's – I'm able to, to handle myself differently now because I, I say it's because I came back to the Lord and, and uh, have him in my life 100% that I'm changing and learning how to grow. So the key ingredient – to me, is building a very strong spiritual foundation so that they know that they have a friend in God, that when things get tough, they they will know to run to him rather than from him. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I love that, uh, the good, the strong spiritual foundation, the understanding of the children as gifts and their gifts, and then unconditional love and acceptance. It reminds me, when my kids were um, pretty pretty young still, and we homeschooled all the way, and I remember this one time I just set aside some time and went through books on um, understanding each child's, and even Dave and my own, love languages, our personality types, and our learning styles. And that radically changed how I related to each child, how I proceeded from there forward, just understanding that they are each so unique and they're they're their own beautiful little person, and you can't just fit them into the same square uh place and and expect them to all to survive and even thrive there in the same way they need they need someone who's going to take time to get to know them personally to see what God put inside of them and to nurture that so i I just love that let's talk about um <laughs> the the entitlement kind of epidemic that we have going especially in the United States, and what parents can do, what can we do to help our kids understand how to be grateful for stuff without feeling entitled to stuff all the time? We'll stop feeding into it. I mean, bottom line, we have to stop feeding into this. We created this monster, and I take total responsibility. My generation, uh, you know, we did this because prior to us being parents, there were not children who were entitled to anything we had to, I mean, I can remember as a little girl, I would go around my neighborhood and ask people if I could, if I could um, shovel, uh, oh gosh, I just forgot my word. Wait, after you mow the lawn, you want to edge? Well, we didn't have an edger. I had to sh- use a shovel. And in Florida, you know how hot it is during the summer? So that I could earn some money to perhaps go into the market and buy some candy or buy a doll or something. We had to work from when we were little children because we got hand-me-downs. We got whatever our parents could afford. And I think what happened is when credit came into the picture, we decided that, well, we can't really afford it and we really don't have the money, but we'll put it on the credit card so that our children can have the $150 sneakers and the $40 shirts and the you know, $25 baseball caps, and, of course, don't forget the $200 cell phone. You know, we created this monster. 
We had a little girl recently kill herself, 12 years old, because they were bullying her. I think it was over the cell phone, of course. And I wrote something on Facebook today because my heart was just aching that these babies are dying because people are so mean. And I said, could we please, as parents, stop this? Because we are the ones who have put text messaging and the computer, the Internet, on their cell phones. And so to me, it's like if if we want to... To, to have them stop feeling entitled, stop giving them every single thing possible. How, I mean, they're not stupid. They're going to keep taking it. And the minute you say no, they're not going to like you anyway. You know, we do a lot of this stuff because we want approval. We want our children to like us. We want to be the cool parents. We want to, we want to, we want to. But you know what? There's going to reach a time. They're, they're not going to like you anyway. Bottom line, sorry. I don't care how cool you think you are that you're the greatest parents because you let them maybe drink in your house or smoke cigarettes in your house or you just keep buying and buying, it's it's very detrimental to them because you can see this generation going into their 20s and they're useless. I mean, I just found out that my son threw W-2s away because he didn't know what they were. I'm like, what? what? You know? So we aren't equipping them to be healthy young adults that know how to balance a checkbook that know how to live in their means, like when they get out of college and they do get a job, that they don't just spend their paycheck on going out and eating lavish lavish dinners and drinking with their friends, but that they have to understand. You have to budget. You ha- There's all this important information that we have to give them, but instead we, we just keep giving and giving and giving so that when they do reach 17, 18 years old and you say, okay, you're on your own, go, go get a job, and they look at you like, do what? You've done this all these years, now all of a sudden you're going to make me do it? And then when they do do it, they get their paychecks and they want to spend it and do what they want to do, and you go, no, 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 no. You have to start buying your own sundries. You're going to start buying your own clothes. And they can't fathom it. So we have to just stop and just let them have enough. Enough isn't everything. We don't have to have, you know, 25 pair of jeans and shorts and 30 blouses and six pair of sneakers. Enough boundaries. You have to stop trying to win them over. Yeah, and I think uh, there's a couple things I want to respond to there. The best time to learn how to take rejection from your children is when they're two or three and you have to tell them no about something and they look at you and say, I hate you. And Uh you just have to learn right in that moment to understand that in that moment they hate that there is an authority figure in their life. They really hate it. They really would like to just always always do what they want. Mm -hmm. And I still have that two-year-old inside of me. I would really prefer always, always to just be allowed to do what I want without anyone checking or controlling me. And so what happens with our kids is that that statement, I hate you, that that little two-year-old tirade, um, we, we come to really value the opposite of that, I love you, so much that sometimes we do it to the detriment of the kids. And so if you can learn as they're going up in the in the ages that it's okay for them to at times hate having an authority figure, it just so happens to be you right now, um, and and that's okay. That's your job. That, that comes with the territory. The other things I was thinking about as you were talking about some of the ways that we've done this in our family with our kids who are now all adults. But um, one of the things was we started from the time that they were very tiny, giving them responsibility and and requiring that not only did they take responsibility financially but in every way. So from the time that they could sit up in the bathtub, so this is before they were one year old, if they could sit up in the bathtub before they got out of their bath, I would take their little hand in mine and I would put their hand over a toy and I would drop it into the toy to the toy basket in the ba- in the bathtub that just hung in there. It was just like a net thing. And, um, and then we take the next toy, and then as soon as we were gone, all the toys from their little tub time were in the net. I would say, oh, done, and I would pick them up, and they would get out of the bathtub. Well, surely they would get done being, you know, having their bath maybe before I started cleaning up the toys with them, and they would, they would say, oh, done, or they would stand yeah. up beside the bathtub and say, oh, done, and I would say, oh, as soon as the toys are put away, you can get out. Well, they would just turn around and put all the toys away at one-year-old, 
and then they could get out of the tub. You can start this training very early that they have a responsibility in life. It's not you doing everything for them. Another one that comes to mind is um, starting from the very earliest, no matter what money was given to them, whether it was a gift from their grandparents for Christmas or a birthday, a gift from friends, whether they earned it, however they got money, 50% immediately went into a savings account and 10% immediately went to God, and then they had the 40% left to spend. So from the time that they were smallest, smallest, they had to come to the realization that they would never have all of their money to spend. That would never happen. That's not a real picture of the real world. And so they, they're all they're all very good with money. Um, they, they were given a clothing allowance, and so instead of me saying, now, of course, not when they were five, but, you know, as soon as they were old enough to take that responsibility, instead of me saying, let's go shopping and here's what we're going to buy, and then me standing there the whole time saying, oh, we can't afford that, we can't afford that, I would just tell them, this is how much money we have for you for clothes this fall. You do have to buy whatever a winter coat. You do have to buy these certain items. But beyond that, you can buy whatever you think. And actually, our kids kind of dressed funny uh, a few times because they hadn't gotten all all the right things perfectly. But they're wonderful clothes shoppers now, very, very frugal, and they they have great clothes that just fit their personalities. Same thing with a Christmas account. You put a little bit of side every week all year long, and when Christmas comes, you can go Christmas shopping without any stress. So these are some of the ways that uh, we used in the Swedberg family to help them learn gratitude for what they're receiving instead of just entitlement. And we're going to move on here in just a moment, but um, Lisa, what are what are some thoughts that you have there? I, I love it. I mean, you know, obviously, you, like you said, right from the get-go, we have different ways of, of teaching and stuff, and I love I love it because, you know, we – I found myself doing what you were talking about, but then I got lackadaisical, and then I, I, I said, oh, it's just so much easier for me to do it. But, you know, there are positive ways, Marnie, and what you were just talking about is just so awesome. And, you know, we have different personalities and different ways of doing things, but I think what we're bringing to the air right now is showing both sides that you can do it this way, but if you can't find how to do it that way, you know, then you could try it this way. And and that's what's beautiful about what's going on here because I wish I would have been in your home. <laughs> oh, well, you know, and honestly, honestly, the kids, the kids going through it, they didn't always appreciate it. You know, I mean, that's just the reality. It's not always fun to put 50% of what you just got into a bank where you don't get to right. touch it. But it was fun, for example, when our youngest son decided he was ready to buy a car and he walked into a car dealership, got the exact Grand Am he wanted for a cash that he had earned and saved up through the years. And he walked out of that, you know, that uh, dealership with the car that he wanted and he paid for it. You know, so, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's moments where all of a sudden all that, all that investing, you have that payoff and you're so happy. This is Marnie visiting today with Lee. Lisa Hine of LisaRHine.com. We're going to come back and talk about the fastest way to identify and eradicate negative words and vocal inflections for yourself and your family. We'll be right back. The fastest and easiest way to find out which major women's events are coming to your area is to visit www.womensevents.info. That's womensevents.info. It's the only directory of its kind, and it features all of the major events like Women of Faith, Beth Moore, E-Conference Women, and so many others. It's free to search, and you can find it all at womensevents.info. Well, you guys, welcome back. We're halfway through, past halfway through here. Wow, it's getting getting going on here. Uh, we're talking with Lisa Arhine today on minimizing confrontations, maximizing relationships. We're going to move on here to the fastest way to identify and eradicate negative words and vocal inflections. Lisa, you you touched on this a little earlier, that the inflection, the tone of voice is equal or maybe even more important than the words. Talk to us about um, negativity in in our communication well you know again it's you know you you get what you give and if you're going to be negative and if you're going to be sarcastic and you're going to be condescending you're going to hurt people's spirits to the point where the communication is in it's going to probably end up being more minimal and i just kind of feel that it's it's all about self-respect i mean so many of us just 
we're tired, we're overwhelmed, um, there's a lot going on in people's lives. No excuse. You know, we chose to have these children. They did not, you know, come out of us and go, thanks, I asked to be here, you know. I mean, we chose to bring them here. And, yes, life does have its roller coasters. There's no doubt about it. But that doesn't give us carte blanche to be disrespectful, to be impatient, to think that others, you know, what they're saying isn't important because you've you got to get on the computer or you've got to cook dinner or you've got to do laundry. Everything that takes place is crucial. And the minute that child comes to you and needs a hug or wants to sit down and talk to you, those minutes will never come back. So to me, when, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, our words and our actions, it's about allowing that time to really be aware and, and involved. There's nothing worse than not being um, um, looked at as who you really are. You're not being validated. And when children come to you, it's because they need to talk. And we want them to feel that they can come to us, no matter what the situation is, and no matter what we're doing, it's priority. you got to stop what you're doing. Talking yeah. people and honoring them is crucial. You talk to me with respect, and even if we don't agree, we still respect each other, and we talk to each other with kind words. The, uh, the people we work with are friends, and then we come home, and sometimes it's a different story. Why is that? Why do we think we can talk to our husbands or our wives, whatever, in a different way that we talk to strangers? They're the only ones who really, really matter, who are going to be there when nobody else is there. But we have to teach our children, you know, it's important to watch your words. Watch how you, you talk to people because everybody is sensitive right now. You have no clue. You may be looking at somebody who, like, dresses in the most expensive clothes and has the best of everything. You have no idea what that child's going through at home. So what we see on the outside isn't always what it is. So we can't judge and we can't assume and we can't talk smack about each other because we don't know what each other's really going through. So to me, it's just a matter of, you know, speak to people the way you want to be spoken to. And if you're talking harshly and rude, then that's probably what you're going to get back. And then you're going to want to punish them for being disrespectful. Well, what were you? What were you just then? I don't expect carte blanche respect because I'm a, I'm an, a parent, and you and I might go head-to-head head on this one. I felt that it was really important to earn because anybody can, quote, be a parent. But are you really a parent, or are you just in that position where you're throwing out, you know, your authority and telling everybody what to do. I, I think it's important when you when you earn that respect and they see that, you know, you're not playing both sides of the fence here. This is it. This is it. You are all I have. I am all you have. Everybody else that comes into our lives are blessings. There's no doubt. But we have to be very, just very conscientious the way we speak and act towards one another. Yeah. I think when I, when you were talking, I was thinking about the underlying attitudes, and you know, I was just I was just working on this myself just this week um, with a family member because I could tell that I was getting a little short with that person, and and I realized that my attitude had changed. I had become less um, less loving, a little more self centered, um, even though the the reason. I mean, the per- the person was doing something that made it more difficult for me to be loving toward them. But I had to realize that it's going to always be my responsibility how I how I respond, whether the person's being difficult or particularly easy at that moment. It's my choice how I respond. And so when I think about uh, identifying eradicating negativity in my words and especially in my inflections, or really my underlying emotions that, I mean, the vibrations, everybody can feel that. It's like when you walk in the room and you say, are you all right? And somebody says yes, and you know for sure they're not. You know, I mean, you know 
how they're really right. feeling, even though they're not saying it. The people can feel how we feel, even if we're saying the right words. And and right. when I start to see something inside of myself that is negative, that is um, not loving, I, I would say, you know, not God's agape love flowing through me, you know, that love that is patient and kind and not selfish, <laughs> never boasting and all, you know, all those things that God's love can be. When I see that the, the love that's flowing through me is not like that, that the love flowing through me is more really self-centered, selfish, more about I want it, I want this from you. If you can't give me that, I'm not going to be nice to you. Um, that's when I that's when I step back and I look at my own relationship with God and I realize, you know, there's some there's some junk in the junk in the funnel here in the straw that I am that's clogging God's love from flowing through me to the people around me. And I need to get that that line cleared up and then all of a sudden, okay, look at that. I have yeah. love for the people around me, even if they're being incredibly unlovely, you know? Yeah, we can't take things so personally because sometimes, like you said, you you know, you you don't know what people are going through, and even our children, they they barricade things inside them. You know, when they get into middle school and high school, you you know, they ha- they can't be fearful of telling you things that you're gonna fly off the handle or you're gonna want to go to school and take care of it. You know, they they need to know that they have a safe zone, mm. and it, it goes back to what do you think we should do about it. And mo- and sometimes it could be, can we just pray about it? And sometimes it's, Mom, I can't do anything about it because if something happens, then th- I'm going to get hurt more. Then we have to we have to figure out what we're going to do. But prayer, teaching our children how to pray uh, through everything is is just you know it's it's very warranted, very warranted. Yeah, I love that. And just to mo- model it in your own life. Don't don't just tell them to do it. <laughs> Practice it every day in front of them. <laughs> That's the best way. Okay, let's move on to it. It's such a good segue here into um, balancing parental intervention so the kids can learn to handle and diffuse confrontational situations themselves. I mean, in the end, what we are raising is not children. We're raising what we hope will be responsible adults. I mean, that's the that's the long-term goal is that they won't always be children. And so... Uh, what are some of what are some of the strategies that you would recommend for parents so we can help them to learn to handle and diffuse the confrontations? Well, obviously, when they're younger, it's important to 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 teach respect and to you know teach the kindness and the gentleness and and being patient with people, you know, and and not thinking that everything has to revolve around them because we give our children mixed messages. You know, the the world is yours. Well, no, it's not. You've got to work hard to get that world, you know, the, the, the piece of the pie that you want so badly. We have to think about as their children get older, I mean, even when they are young, we have to let them fall sometimes so that they learn from their mistakes. We always want to intervene. We always want to try to catch them, especially like, you know, having a, a child that is now older. But, I mean, I would see kids get in trouble for shoplifting or, you know, leaving school, skipping class or whatever. I would see these things happening. And the parents, boy, were they were right there to take care of it. And I, and I used to think, what are we doing The ink isn't even dried on the paper, and we're already there scooping them up and taking them back to safety. What are we teaching our children about knowing what to watch, knowing what to listen to? When I'm not around, you know what's acceptable. And what's acceptable in this house is what's acceptable outside of the house. And if people are watching things that you know you shouldn't be watching. You have to be big enough to say, you know what, i got to go, you know, or excuse yourself. You, you, you can't think that you've got to be one way at home and one way at your friends. Being able to communicate and in a way that, you know, they understand that every situation you're in has either a good result or a bad result. And the choice is definitely yours. It is your, you know, your choice. And I saw the difference in an attitude with my child when he was just at that point where it was like, what do you, what do you want? You know, he would go, well, I'm going to go do this. And I go, well, that's your choice. 
That's your choice. If you choose to walk out the door and go do what you're saying, you're going to take the consequences and nobody's going to be there to pick you up. You have to figure this out on your own because they can get so nasty and they want to throw it in your face, but in, in, in essence they might be saying, Mom, I'm in trouble. Focus in and really listen to what I'm saying because I don't know how to tell you I'm scared and I really don't want to go out into the world and do these things, but we have to learn that everywhere you go, there's going, there could possibly be a very negative situation because there's a lot of darkness going on out in this world right now. And our children are being faced with unbelievable situations. And we have to empower them to know that, that God is so strong inside of them and their faith and their relationship is so strong that they're not going to want to go to the left or the right. They're going to want to, you know, walk a good a good line and, and know that I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to do that. I have a friend whose girl, her daughter's in high school, and she says, Mommy, all the, girl, all the girls talk about how much they hate their parents. And she says, well, what do you say? She said, I don't hate my parents. I love you guys. You're the best. And I tell them that. But all of them, all, they're always talking about their parents. And it's very, that's sad. It's it's the truth, but it's very sad, you know. So we have to just stay on top of it all the time and allow them to 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 deal with the repercussions from situations that are going on, and hopefully they will know what to do and what not to do after you've taught them. Yeah, as you're as you're talking, I'm thinking of a couple things. Um, just the importance of modeling it modeling how to handle and diffuse confrontation so that they can see like if you're if you're married with your spouse how are you handling confrontation are you fighting clean are you fighting dirty um uh fighting fighting dirty would be you know it's not about this topic it's about everything that ever happened in the past you know you're pulling in everything from history about this one thing that we're talking about and clobbering each other over the head with that uh just fighting fighting clean with with your partner in front of the children and and i, I our children would never be able to say this that they've never seen us fight but i know that there are some families where the kids never see the parents fight and they really don't understand that that's happening that there are actually obviously if there's two people there's two different opinions from time to time and you've got to work it out you have to figure out which way you're going to go and so in order to you know have your kids be able to handle and diffuse confrontational situations they have to see you guys do it as a team where you work together to find a solution to something where you're both on, you know, just way different pages from each other. And and I loved what you were talking about, about consequences that, again, from the very earliest time when they're very small, that there are clearly defined consequences. And so many times nature itself provides a consequence where you, the parent, don't have to be providing the consequence. And I always say get out of the bad guy position as often as possible and let just the natural consequences flow. But um, you know, not in an unsafe situation, but anywhere that where it's safe for the child to just learn instead of um, instead of needing to hop in there all the time and protect them. And then the other thing I, I I was thinking about when you were talking about this is I always say that my parents gave me so many wonderful gifts, but the two my two favorite gifts that they gave me were number one, they introduced me to Jesus Christ, and and they did they did that from the time I was tiny. So by the time I was four, I wanted to have a personal relationship with Him, and that's changed my life forever in such an amazing way. But the second thing that they gave me that I think is really the most wonderful gift is is that they they taught me that I was unique, that I was my own person, and that I wasn't le- just like anybody else, and that it was okay for me to be happy with who God made me to be and to embrace that and to say, you can do that, that's okay, but I don't think I'm going to. And they really, they modeled that in their own lives where they would set their own boundaries and let everybody else do what they were going to do. And then they really taught us, and I have three sisters, they really taught us girls to um, to to live like that and to to go ahead and say no even in the face of everybody else's doing it. Uh, Lisa, we have one more point, and we have a few more minutes here. How do we set reasonable boundaries for ourselves, and how do we, or what do we do when we feel infringed upon by our kids? 
Well, you know, obviously we have to set boundaries because otherwise we become a welcome mat. And if if we don't have respect and limitations in our own life, how will anybody else? We, we, we have to have them. We have to know when enough is enough, when lines have been crossed, and we have to let them know that there are lines. You don't want to cross lines. Even in my life, I don't want to cross lines. I don't want people crossing, crossing me and thinking that they're going to take advantage of me because of my kindness. It's a respect. It's learning how to respect yourself first, having great communication being honest enough to just say, wait a second, you've crossed the line, you said this, and that's very hurtful, and I don't appreciate it. You need to reword reword what you're saying because you don't need to attack me. We don't need to, to talk like that to one another. You know, when people start escalating that voice, like we talked earlier, nothing good comes out of that because all of a sudden you're talking over each other and you're disrespecting. You have lost credibility as the, as the adult. And it's important that when we do speak, like you said, you know, have respect within yourself because, A, you're a living example. You're their mentor. You're their teacher. They're, they're learning everything from you even if you think they aren't. They're watching you left and right. I was at a luncheon the other day, Marnie, and I heard that I think it was 60, 67% of the children whose parents are Christian or have a faith um, believe their parents are nothing more than hypocrites. And when they put down what is your, what's your religion, they put none. Hmm. So we're hurting our children by not being the good examples. You know, when we wear that WWJD bracelet, boy, everybody wanted to be good. You know, we, what would Jesus do? What would he do if he was in our home? Would he, would he put his hands in his face and be shameful? Or would he look and just shake his head and say, you guys are crazy amazing. This is awesome. I love the way you interact with each other. And you have to learn how to interact with yourself and know that you're not a bouncing board, a board that you're a, you're, you're a teacher. You took this position as a mother. You took this position as a father. We have to go forth and teach, and we have to be healthy and whole and happy, and we, we have to relinquish the addictions and the drinking and the smoking and, you know, all of these things that are eventually, you know, A, they're not good for us, and B, children think that it's okay. Well, you did it. Why can't I do it? Well, because I'm the adult. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to do it. We don't want to encourage that kind of behavior. So we, we do want to be very sensitive with boundaries within ourselves and know what is good for us and what is not good for us and set, set the boundary. Hmm. I, um, uh, the parenting style, in fact, it was interesting when, uh, when my kids were kind of middle school years, my youngest sister had kids and she found Love and Logic Parenting. Uh, Foster Klein and I can't remember um, the other guy's name who came up with that. And as I went through that training, it was it was really fun because it was how my parents had raised us. And there, it's just biblical biblical principles that um, talk about talk about being loving all the time and having very clear boundaries. And I love how Jesus himself had very clear boundaries. I mean, he let people really have a lot of him. He didn't. Oh, and we're just about out of time here, so I'm going to wrap this up real quickly. But, but he he had very clear boundaries, and you as a parent are allowed to have very clear boundaries. In fact, you must if you're going to teach your children how to ever say no to drugs, how to ever say no to anything else that is um, detrimental to them. You have to set boundaries yourself, and then you have to um, show loving loving protection of those boundaries and just keep going back to God if you feel like they're getting infringed on. Maybe they're too tight. Maybe they're too broad. Uh, just go back and ask for wisdom. Well, this is Marty, and this hour has flown by. Lisa, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. And you guys, you've got to go check out Lisa's site. It's at Lisa. R Hine, dot com, and she is the author of Manifesting God's Love in Your Family, I'm Doing the Best I Can, and the co-author of Ready, Aim, Excel. Thank you all for being here. So happy that you could be along today, and I hope that you'll check out the rest of the training over at marty.com. Until next time, have a lovely day, and we will catch you back here again next week. Bye-bye.